0: This week's episode of Mind Theater is a video essay. For the full experience of the show, click the first link in the show notes. Thanks. Vous posez à merveille. Vous êtes jolie. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is a remarkable artistic achievement of film. In her 18th century historical romance, Celine Sciamma is just as concerned with undressing how art features in the act of loving as it does in the act of remembrance. Its emphasis on portraiture in conversation with other artistic mediums, including music and poetry, showcases how all forms of art can be used to encode both history and our memory, as an extension of romantic love and our experiences. If a painting or song can hold within it recollections of feelings or events, then portrait exposes the power of film as a composite medium. Through cultivating and relying on great work from all the other mediums, most closely mimics our own memory. Céline Siama and the filmmaker in general serve as a kind of art curator, assembling pieces from different artistic disciplines throughout history and placing them in constant conversation with one another. Drawing from 17th and 18th century European portrait and landscape painters, Marianne's artistic style is inspired by French female artists of old, including Adelaide Labille-Gouillard and Elizabeth Lebrun. Both arrivals at the Académie de Saint-Louis, they would rise to prominence at early ages to become painters of the nobility, wealthy patrons and aristocrats, including Queen Mary Antoinette herself. As was the role of portraiture by the 16th century onward, the nobility commissioned portraits like this one in order to project status, strength, and power. They present the monarch as the embodiment of royal rule. Depicted in beautiful, idealized lighting in the latest fashions, the portrait itself serves to strengthen public belief in institutions of power, like monarchy, serfdom, and even political marriages. Marianne is entwined in the very same world as these women were. As she states, in finishing the portrait, she gives Heloise to another. Even as her technical skill and family heritage has allowed her to transcend societal norms, her art must still exist to maintain those systems, simultaneously as the act of painting Heloise draws her closer to her. In this way, the function of painting as both a historical political tool and extension of the artist's memory and feeling are interlinked, and the inevitable end of their relationship hits harder because of this warring turmoil at the soul of the female artist. Siyama looks to contemporaries as well for influence. Marianne's paintings are the work of artist Helen Delmer, whose hands are featured making the pieces throughout the film. In her personal art, we see the same recurring themes that speak to portraits. Somberness, removal of identity, eyes and faces brushed away by thick layers of paint. Bodies curl in and over themselves, or around other bodies. The human form is made vulnerable, but not so vulnerable that you mistake her figures for weak. There's a beautiful strength inherent to her portrayals. This vulnerability is center to the tenderness of the film's text. At the core of both Del Mare's work and Marianne's relationship with Heloise is a kind of unmasking of the subject present, a kind of romantic undressing that connects the audience closer to the emotional core of the piece. Portrait's queer lens augments this process even further, bringing sapphic love from the periphery, as it's sparingly featured, if at all, in heteronormative works, to the forefront of our screens. Siyama does this with a force so great it's awe-inspiring. To borrow feminist film theorist Laura Mulvey's words, Siyama leans on cinema's inherent scopophilia the pleasure audiences derive from looking. In a film like Portrait, expressly about art and the artistic process, this effect is magnified. Siyama blurs the lines between the artistic gaze, the one an artist uses to study and consider their muse, with a queer gaze, a gaze of desire and looking and longing. When a gaze, as subtle and almost non-existent as it is, is the only way you can communicate, show your attraction and your desire, a gaze truly means everything. In a wordless glance, there's a world of conversation to behold. Entire dialogues that stretch from the artist to the muse, back to the artist, and then reflected onto the canvas. And after a long pause of consideration, of affection, of, of, I don't know, vulnerability, We are, we are, implicated. We understand there is no artist, there is no muse, there are co-creators in this process of art, in this making of love. Through film we're also made aware how rigid distinctions between creator and created have no place in great art or in queer depictions of romance. Film forces us to confront this feel the uncomfortability of time and the threat of loneliness that consumes them. It's messy, and we're made even more exposed because of it. Us bearing witness makes us a kind of artistic collaborator as well. For Denis Diderot, great French philosopher and art critic who lived around the same time that portrait takes place, whenever the artist picks up his chalks and brushes, limp phantoms revive themselves. He who manages to exercise them would be a prodigy indeed. Here, Diderot criticizes the tradition of training painters who drew from plaster and cast in classical models, speaking at great lengths against the use of static figures and emphasizing the power of live subjects instead. Painting with a live subject forces the artist to consider more complicated aging, even damaged flesh. This Diderotic process pun intended, is transformational when applied to the queer dialogue of the film, where the complicated flesh isn't just something to consider, but something our artists and muse lust after and actively seek. Before Heloise sits down with Marianne, the portrait she makes of her is a betrayal, a lie. It doesn't embody who Heloise is. It was made through a crude assembly of secret glances. It isn't alive. Once they've sat down, Heloise, the living breathing person is considered and understood, the art becomes real, and the final piece contains both of them. Through film, this exercise is made completely naked to us. This ability art has to contain us extends to more than just portraits and painting in the film. Heloise and Marianne's remembrance of each other takes on the form of two other artistic mediums, song and poetry. The former Vivaldi's second movement of his masterwork, The Four Seasons, titled Summer. The latter is the great Latin narrative poem Metamorphosis by Ovid. Both introductions to these works in the film are already coded and layered in our protagonist's longing. Marianne introduces Vivaldi's Paradoxical Summer, a piece about a day ruined by an incoming storm to instill within Heloise hope, pointing forward in time to the beauty of Milanese orchestras and quelling the fears concerning the future of her unwitting marriage. Metamorphosis is introduced later as a story about transformational loss that the ladies give up various interpretations of, debating whether Orpheus turning to look upon Eurydice represents loss as something that happens to love-struck fools, or loss as something two parties can willingly agree to, a process that helps avoid the sting of having it taken away by outside forces. These two pieces, able to quietly attach themselves to our protagonists, become emotional reminders of their love and loss in the film's final minutes, for Marianne in the Paris Salon, and for Heloise in the orchestra. These two pieces of art, somewhat static in their introductions, become wholly alive again, reaching through time, allowing their lost love to be reanimated and recontextualized. When art messes with our temporal understanding like this, we're reminded that a piece is never really just a piece. In the best art we see our history continuously echoed, and an artist and subjects' identities made bare. But they also leave enough room for us to insert ourselves. When overcome with emotion, these pieces can't help but feel plucked from the picture frame of our mind's eye, from our memories. It's something we feel responsible for the creation of. Just as a curator in an art museum selects pieces to exist in conversation with one another, the very best films do the same, with the multifaceted art at their disposal. A song or story or portrait can stand alone and hold within it both our history and artistic personal experience, but in unison they make an even more compelling chorus one capable of lifting up the voices of an audience whose stories they see reflected in them. This is the inherent power coded into the identity of film and why it's the perfect medium for depicting love and relationships. They remind us of the ability art has to reach across time and space, its capacity to take our complicated identities and experiences, affirm their significance, and then expose them so vividly, make them tangible and even more personal than the memories we can recall, almost hyper-real. The artists, unmoved by the phantoms of the past, understood this, at least partially, while beholding their works in eternal concert with one another, were even more vulnerable than they were. Mind Theater is a subtle effort produced and written by me, Ayo for updates on the show as well as my other content follow mind theater pod on twitter instagram and tiktok if you want to show monetary support the ko-fi link is in the description thanks for watching i'll catch you next time